Greetings and welcome to another episode of the Ideas Podcast. I'm Daniel Lazar, and I'm proud to serve as a co-founder and a faculty advisor to the John F. Kennedy School's Ideas Club. Ideas was born of the demand that in our time of crises, in our age of anxiety, when democracy is fragile, when intolerance is increasingly tolerated, we must intensify our efforts to create a safe but a challenging space to discuss and to celebrate diversity. This is the last episode of the first season of our podcast. We hope that you've listened and enjoyed. In the spirit of all good things coming to an end, the Ideas Leadership Team decided to seize this moment to reflect and to the chagrin of your host, bid farewell. Joining me from his office at the Kennedy School is, at least for five more days, the Managing Director of the Kennedy School, who just happens to be a founding advisor to the Ideas Club. Hey, Brian, how's it going over there? Good morning, Daniel. And from somewhere in Berlin, Lena, where are you? Uh, West End, Charlottenburg. In West End, the outgoing director of Ideas from the class of 2020, the esteemed class of 2020, the fearless and tireless leader of our mission. Lena, how are you holding up? I'm doing good, thank you. All right. So as you guys know, today we just want to take some time to reflect on our experiences with the Ideas Club. Both of you have done so much. I am so grateful. Our school is so grateful for your efforts. And we just want to uh, we want to look back and look forward a little bit before both of you bid this Kennedy School farewell. So Brian, you know me, you know me well, you know, partly because I'm an historian, I, I love stories, and in particular, I love origin stories. Now, I, I'll tell you, I'll admit to you that I, I tell a story, I have a clear story in my head of how ideas started. I know you were there, and I'll bet you have a version of that same story. If you tell me your story, I'll tell you mine. Yeah, I'm really curious to hear how our stories match up on this. So our, my story began uh, by a walk with you. I was thinking through a challenging time at school where we had a young student who was Jewish who had received some <clears throat> bullying remarks and some harassing remarks uh, about his religion and about him. And I was doing a lot of thinking about how do we support somebody in a situation like this? And in my mind, I was reflecting back to schools in the United States where we had a club for everyone. We didn't have that strength here at JFK. We have a lot of extracurricular programs that get kids involved and it's about learning and, and being together and collaborative, but we don't have something that was supportive of students who are different. So thinking back to the United States where I had uh, a GSA, a Gay Straight Alliance, a Jewish Student Union, an Asian Student Union, a Black Student Union, I had all kinds of clubs, but I felt that having so many different clubs was actually divisive. And I met with you, we took a walk, and I said, I want to do something that brings everybody together, that we can celebrate our differences and feel the strength of each other in our differences. In my mind, that's the inception of the club, and we took it from there. My recollection is pretty similar to yours, although I'll say the only, the only difference... Uh, is a little throw under the bussy. I don't know. So tell me, tell me if I if I misremember it. I remember you. You know, we both shared a grave concern 
about the anti-Semitic incident that happened at her school. Um, the, my story begins like this. My story begins the day my mother-in-law flew in from uh, the U.S. And my wife was at work and we went to an outdoor a beer garden and there's a big screen and the World Cup was going on. And at the halftime of the World Cup, I saw your face on an enormous screen and I had never seen you look as discomforted as you were. And you were discomforted for, for all the right reasons. And I felt so bad for you. And I had the instinct. I'm like, well, whatever I could do to help this guy out, I will. And then I remember not so long after that, us taking a walk. Tell me if I'm misremembering. I, I think that you had the idea for a, a Jewish student union. And we came together because I have a Jewish background. And together we kind of dialed our way. We sort of walked our way away from a Jewish organization to a broader uh, organization about identity and diversity. Do you remember it that way or no? Yeah, the idea yeah. formed through our conversation. So yeah. who started it or who came up with it or how it evolved? It started with a conversation with two friends trying to solve a problem and walking around a lake in the middle of summer in Berlin. Do you remember anything specific about that conversation? I remember the tone about it. I, I remember the tone of it. Like I remember, I can feel the beats of it, which I wouldn't mind talking about, but I want to hear, is there anything in particular that you remember about that conversation? Well, I certainly remember how I felt and how I felt was, who am I to, to try to support people that I'm not a part of that group? So how can I, in good faith, lead a group that will support our black students, our Jewish students, and I'm not part of that group. And I needed to lean on you and say, how can I do this without stepping on people's toes? How can I help students and not get in the way? I remember the energy of that conversation. I remember us both kind of feeling really troubled by what was happening and seeing it as part of a broader trend globally. And I remember the conversation like beginning with some fear, like, is this this type of thing going to overtake this this school that we both care so much about. And then at some point, I, I think rather early on in the conversation, I remember us both being like really energetic about the possibility to at least like go down fighting. Right. Right. We weren't going to let our school get marred without doing something about it. Now, Lena, I remember you being involved from the outset, or at least very early on, how and why did you get involved in the Ideas Club? Well, I'm not sure if Mr. Salser remembers this, but on my first day of 11th grade, so this was after the summer where the anti-Semitic incident happened, I was standing with a friend when you, Mr. Salser, came over and explained that a new diversity club was going to be founded at JFK. I was immediately interested I had never really found a club at JFK that addressed the range of issues that you mentioned Ideas was going to address. And it meant that as a junior, I was going to be able to sit in a room with a bunch of empathetic, interested, smart peers and be a part of something new. And for me, I was immediately excited. I showed up to the first meeting and continued on from there. And then naturally sort of my role grew in the club. 
yeah the rest is history i guess that's my story yeah well let me let me build your story a little bit if only because i i have i have more questions for you the story is you devoted tremendous energy and enthusiasm to this project from the beginning you exerted leadership and you became a, a highly regarded member from the outset and for that reason you were the clear pick to lead the club what was it like for you leading the ideas club and and what did, what did you learn from it leading the club was wonderful and challenging at the same time i was quite apprehensive at first because i had never necessarily been a leader of a school club before and i cared so much about the project um and i guess that's kind of the reason why i ended up working out because all the other nerves and worries sort of faded away when I thought of everything I had planned for the club and what I wanted to happen the next year. And I learned a lot. I mean, I learned how to formulate original and poignant questions. I learned to facilitate meetings with people that I didn't know that well and got to know over time. I learned how to take charge, how to delegate, that was a big challenge and how to have extremely difficult conversations with people that you care about and how to kind of get over that hurdle of confrontation because there will be hurdles when you're working in a club that is mainly student led i mean we have both of you to support us but in the meetings at least it was student led and to learn from that and to remember why we're all there that we all care about the same mission that is what kind of made any struggle worth it it was definitely something that helped shape what i wanted to do in the future helped my development as a junior and a senior yeah i mean it was a huge learning experience for me so lena i want to focus on something that you said and and put push on it a little bit more um all nine of our listeners desperately want to know how they can empathically engage with people with whom they disagree on fundamental issues you led these meetings where sometimes like-minded people but often um not like-minded people came together to discuss some of the most pressing and vexing issues not just of our time but of all time how do you do that well how do you lead meetings how do you engage in conversations when people disagree so so vehemently and brian i'm going to ask the same question to you because you have experiences in this as well i mean i guess i sort of had to learn over time but it ended up being a process of first asking a question then listening to responses and when those responses clashed which sometimes they did i would ask another question in return to let give that person a chance to clarify i would you know sometimes assertively remark something to sort of set the record straight but i would mainly sort of try to be neutral but push the conversation in a way that was productive because i wanted disagreements it's not like i wanted everybody to get along all the time and although it was challenging i think it was also very fruitful to have conversations in which people disagreed and people were angry or upset 
And then my role was just kind of to facilitate and ask follow-up questions and let both people explain and then hopefully come to a consensus. But I always knew when to step in and when to let them talk. I guess it was just kind of a gut instinct I had. So from the leader of ideas to the leader of our school, Brian, you have to host all of these different types of meetings where people disagree on substantial issues. Sometimes they're both right in their own ways. I'm asking because we live in the time where we have to try to engage with each other earnestly. It's becoming harder and harder to talk across disagreements. What have you learned about how to do that well? For me, the most important emotion to have in a a conversation like that is to be patient and curious. So to be listening and learning while the person is reacting, if the person's reacting with strong emotion, you're learning a lot. And I, I want to just hold on to that moment and ask follow-up questions. Usually that person will feel that my interest is genuine and sincere, and I'm trying to learn from their perspective. Give you one quick example. I have a, a friend, a black woman, and when we talk about being outliers in society with black and, of course, me being gay, she says she gets really angry when the two are compared. She said they're not similar. They're completely different experiences. Gay people can blend in. Gay people and lesbian people have to come out and black people never get that choice. So from that point on, you can never compare the struggle of the two minority groups, if you will. Right. And you, you glean that insight because in that conversation, you maintain your allegiance to your, your, your commitment to, to be patient and to be curious and, and to listen thoroughly, right? Yes, absolutely. And to ask follow-up questions and to not be offended, not be defensive and all those other important things. But when you hear somebody's perspective, something from the heart that's brand new to you, you have to appreciate it and say, I never thought of that before. Let's keep going keep the conversation going, work through the struggle, work through the emotion, that I find that by doing that, I learn so much more. I keep on thinking about like keeping the child brain. And in times like these, you know, we're talking and sort of, uh, you know, in, in the wake of reactions to the murder of George Floyd. And, and it's so hard to keep a child's brain when I have all of these kind of ossified and, and, and thus very strong beliefs about race in America. These are hard times in a way to stay open-minded. And I guess that's so much of what our organization has been trying to do, right? Is to promote dialogue as a way to keep people open-minded. Now, Lena, you, you were talking about these discussions. So much of our, of our work is in discussions. Ideas does other things. The core of what we do, I think, is our Monday meetings, which you famously barred Mr. Salzer and I from. So since Mr. Salzer and I were not invited to the club meetings, the club, which incidentally, as listeners now know, we started. (laughs) Can you please tell us about these meetings? Tell the listener about what happens on Monday afternoon in room B109. Well, I most certainly did bar you, but for a reason, which I will also explain. Well, I knew that I wanted longer 45 minute meetings to discuss more in depth the topics that we were writing about in our journals that we were experiencing at JFK and also just in the world in general. Um, 
And I realized upon reflection that students would be way more likely to open up if there were no teachers present. Just it would make it easier for me to build up trust. And I guess it sort of worked because every week, Monday, sixth period, we sat down with a diverse group of people and we were able to discuss topics like racial injustice, class disparities, or the controversial topic of religion. And these are just to name a few. I guess my role was more to formulate questions, to pose them, and then to listen and respond when I felt was necessary. And the rest was completely up to the members who were wonderful and who surprised me and inspired me every week without fail. I, I learned so much from them. I think we were able to create a space that was really safe, honest, and productive. And I think remembering to push through that struggle, like you said, Mr. Salser, was what made those meetings so successful. And those discussions ended up inspiring articles in the journal, events that we did in our school, and just, I think, all of us individually. So you'll have these great memories of these meetings. I won't have great memories of those meetings, but I am curious, what other memories do we have of ideas? Brian, you're moving on to Hawaii. Lena, you're moving on to conquer the world. Maybe it's a nice time for us to take a moment and reflect on what we remember most fondly from our our experiences with ideas. Brian, do you do you have one that you that really stands out to you or two if you must? No, I'd like to start uh, by talking about that first fun day we had. And I think the students came up with the idea of putting the sign on, ask me what it's like to be black or ask me if I'm German. It's really important that as we learn about each other, we have the courage to ask curious questions about each other or we'll never get to that level of conversation. And the fact that the students came up with that idea so that strangers who were passing by the booth felt they had permission to ask these personal questions and engage in a dialogue about what it feels like to be uh, whatever the category is, that was really powerful to me. And to watch how many people took advantage of that opportunity to engage in a conversation with a student, the experience was very rich that day for the students and for me. In case the listener doesn't know, right? Our students were wearing signs. Ask me what it's like to be gay. Ask me what it's like to be biracial. Ask me if I'm American. And you and I were standing behind the booth sort of watching these really vibrant interactions happening. It was kind of beautiful. Yeah, one of my favorite moments and something I'll take with me. Uh, An activity I'll borrow and use again because that's what we want. We want, it doesn't come up naturally. People don't, ask you what's it like to be Jewish it just doesn't happen but if we set it up so people can ask those questions and learn from each other it's it make for a healthier society I think it really goes to the origin of what the club is all about that exercise just kind of a trust exercise almost being super vulnerable being super honest having conversations that are difficult it was a very special thing that we all got to be a part of at the very beginning and I won't ever forget that. I do enjoy these moments and I will remember them. We had really built up a community. We were getting to know each other. We liked each other. We were able to argue, but at the end of the day, we were all growing up in the same hallways, experiencing similar things. 
um, are also experiencing different things and to be able to come together in a community and discuss that and laugh at the end, that is my fondest memory. I had the task of moderating these panel debates. We had one for Women's Month and one for Black and biracial students that we did during Black History Month. And one of my fondest memories is after having introduced the panel and moderated the discussion, during the question and answer session, I was able to get off stage and walk sort of behind the, the students and watch the students engage with one another and listen to these really precise, challenging questions and these honest and earnest responses. Those panel discussions were such substantial learning opportunities. There was so much meat there. And I was so proud of those. I also, <clears throat> I can't let it go without saying that when 20 of us showed up for the women's march and just marching with my students, with my daughter, I, my daughter had no desire to march. She protests also, but she was protesting walking. And so I was carrying my daughter through the streets of Berlin uh, with my students. I, I, uh, I get choked up thinking about it. It was such a beautiful day. Yeah, such a fond memory. Of course, though we have fond memories, it's, we're a new organization. There are ways in which I'm sure we fell short. Lena, where do we fall short as an organization? In terms of timing and in terms of doing more within the high school, I think we could have pushed harder. I could have pushed harder. Um, we could have sort of destroyed the illusion that ideas is only for 11th and 12th graders done more for recruitment, but especially I wish I would have had more difficult conversations. I think I wish I would have problematized more, although I did do that in meetings. I think I could have been a little bit more persistent because every time we did, I think it was very valuable. So that's something that I wish I would have done more, but I feel like in general, Ideas grew a lot in the last year, and I'm happy with the progress we made. I'm thrilled indeed with the, the evolution of our organization. Where do we want it to go? It's a great club. I'm so proud of what we've done. You guys, uh, you're on your merry way. What would you like this club to do and look like? in the years to come. I'll be here trying to honor your legacy and your wishes. What do you want? What I really believe is an important next step for our club is for the teachers to hear the voices of the students. Maybe it's a regular five minute thing at a faculty meeting. A student says, stands up and says, here's what it's like to be a black boy at JFKS. It shouldn't all be, you know, negative or sort of retaliatory towards the teachers. But I do believe that teachers need to hear the voice of people who feel marginalized. I think that would be a step that would help the club grow and that would help the impact of the club grow. Lena, what about you? I hope Ideas does more, that we communicate more, that we get teachers, students, parents, if need be, involved um, and break down the idea that Ideas is only for older students, that younger kids get involved, 
that people know in, at JFK what IDEAS does and what we stand for. I feel like maybe there's some misunderstanding about that. And then it becomes a welcoming space that people want to join and want to read and want to listen because I think it's, it really is coming from a place of genuine interest and genuine want for change at JFK and just for students to know and understand that and to keep the weekly meetings going because I love those so much and to do more lessons in the high school and in the elementary school to make JFK a better, safer, more empathetic place. Well, I think that both of you have done such a spectacular job. You've devoted such effort to making JFK a better place through the mission of ideas. Uh, So much so that I would like to offer each of you a chance to wrap up the show to recommend to our audience something that speaks to the idea's mission. Now, this is uh, something that our audience might be able to get their hands on or to lay their eyes on in the throes of a pandemic. What have you been watching, listening to, reading? What's been moving you? First, I'd like to say that in my work as principal, my whole career, I have always made sure that our library has young adult fiction, young adult novels that represent the students, so students can see themselves in the books, see people they admire in the books. And you know, back in the 90s, The Perks of Being a Wallflower was a great book that all of the marginalized students were passing around because we finally saw ourselves in this book. And now it's a more modern version of that is a book called I'll Give You the Sun by Jandy Nelson. And it's a fantastic book. And I just want kids to read because I believe in reading. It expands your world, expands your mind, but it helps you connect to people who are like you. Right on. I will link to that on our show page. Leno, what is your endorsement for our loyal listeners? So I have two that are connected with each other. And the first is a nonfiction book of two essays by James Baldwin, which discusses racism in America. Unfortunately, it's still relevant today. And especially now, I think it's important to read this book and to understand that this is still such a reality. This was published in 1963. So It puts things in perspective. It educates you. You should please, please read this. And this book is also mentioned in a book by Sally Rooney, an Irish author called Normal People. I love this book. I love the TV adaptation. It's on Hulu. There's some difficult conversations that are addressed in that book. And sometimes the misunderstandings reminded me of what I experience in ideas meetings and both of those books are must reads in my opinion. So please do read them. I was tempted to recommend the 2016 Raul Peck film. I'm not your Negro about James Baldwin. I rewatched that film because I'm, uh, my students are watching it. It's, it's such a, a heavy lift because I'm so inspired by James Baldwin and yet so sad that his words ring as true today as they did in the the mid 60s it's um it's hard to grapple with both those feelings at the same time so yes to james baldwin uh and in every way shape and form my endorsement 
uh, run the jewels for is out now. You can listen uh, on, on whatever streaming service you like, or you can buy it, or you can buy it and donate to charity. Run the jewels um, makes me feel perfectly alive. You two also make me feel perfectly alive. Thank you both for engaging in uh, this reflective podcast. Thank you so much for demonstrating your leadership of the Ideas Club. I can't even imagine what this club would be like without the two of you. Totally thrilled that we've had the opportunity to work together. For the audience, you can find us, for now at least, on JFKS Ideas at wixsite.com, where you could read our journals and hear the backlog of the podcast. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Please give us a like and a review if you have time. That would help us out a lot. Uh, this is the end of the first season. We look forward to chatting with you next season, which is right around the corner. So until then, stay safe, stay healthy, stay sane if you can. We'll get back to you for season two.